Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm your host, Connie Alper. So glad you tuned in today like you do uh, often, whether you're sitting in the carpool lines or cooking dinner, folding laundry, all the things that we do that help keep our families strong and healthy. Well, I met a woman. uh, We've been friends on social media for a long time, but I actually got to meet her in person at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Association. And we were able to carve out a little bit of time where we could just talk and talk mom to mom, which is kind of ironic because her ministry is Moms Together and 1 Corinthians 13 Parenting. And so we just chatted and we had, there was such a kindredness about us. Um, It wasn't that we did everything the same, but we just have the same passion for families, as you know. I love to focus on strengthening today's family, and Lori loves to focus on family connections. So right there, there was a great intersect for us, but Lori is passionate about helping families build connections that really last a lifetime. Because like I've often said, who wants to turn the tassel and your kids say, well, thanks for the braces and the car keys, and about every your family values or your faith, eh, not so much, I'll see you at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Nobody would ever want that. But Lori meets moms and dads where they are, and she is warm and transparent. She's very straightforward, and she has a faith that leads and guides her in all that she says and does. She is a licensed parent family educator. She's an award-winning author, a podcaster, co-founder of First Corinthians Parenting, a national speaker, and a parenting coach. I have just enjoyed getting to know her so much that I invited her on the show so that we could talk about the things that are are facing us as moms and dads and families trying to navigate the current culture. She is a mentoring mom. She just does so many things. She has messy hope, help your children overcome anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideation, the messy life of parenting, Powerful and Practical Ways to Strengthen Family Connections, The Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal Away Home. She writes for a number of online magazines. I mean, she's just really kind of done it all. She's been on Focus on the Family, Mom Life Today, Crosswalk. And so now you can see, friends, why when I met her, there was such a kindred heart. So I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today as we dive in and we talk about matters that are important to you. So stick around. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. So friends, I just want you to know that I am so excited uh, because Lori is going to be on the program. We're going to have a great conversation. So Lori, thanks for coming on Equipped to Be. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, Connie, I am so excited to be here with you and 
so happy to be speaking with you and your audience. Well, you've done so many things. Um, like I said in, in our intro, when I was telling a little bit about you and about how we got to know one another, I didn't talk about your family. So I would love for you to tell us, you know, tell the listeners like more about like you as, as a mom and a wife, like who, tell us about your kids, your family, and what led you to having the moms together, being an author and doing all the things that you do in the ministry for strengthening families and, and building those connections? Well, I met my husband um, in high school and we started dating in college. So he's my college sweetheart. We have four kids who are now um, adults. Our, our oldest daughter, uh, three girls and a boy, our oldest daughter, we adopted from Columbia. And then we had three more the old fashioned way. Now the three younger um, kiddos are married. So I have a daughter in love and two sons in love. And then we also have four little grands starting our oldest grandchild. Actually, it's his first day of kindergarten today. Oh man, that's gotta be a strange feeling. (laughs) He's, he's five. And then our youngest uh, grandchild is six months. So we've got four four grandkids and um, our family just keeps growing. It's pretty great. And we also have a golden doodle. His name is Toby and Toby means God is good. And we have a grand pup. I don't want to leave um, Remy out as well. So Remy is also a part of the family. So that, that's the makeup of our family. Um, in terms of you had mentioned Moms Together, Moms Together is an online Facebook community. There's a community page that um, maybe some of your women mom listeners may want to check out. And then also there's a Moms Together group. And it's highly interactive. Um, there's conversation going on every day with the exception of Sunday. And we have, you know, we talk about everything, anything that, you know, maybe from recipes to relationships. So um, that's, that's Moms Together. You know, you have the First Corinthians 13 Parenting. As we were prepping for the show and kind of talking about what, what do our listeners need and where are families, I, I know as we were talking at the NRB, there was just such synergy between our message. And what I really like the fact is we each have something to say, and God has called us into pouring back in. And I love the fact that you know, when the kids grew and we turned the tassel, we didn't do the, hey, it's me time now. I'm going to go like learn how to play pickleball or I'm going to go do all the things that I never really got to do because I was in the, you know, the midst of raising a bunch of kids. And, you know, I've got five, you've got four. There's a lot. Um, you got me beat on the grandkid front, but I'm <laughs> sure, <laughs> but I'm loving the two that we have. So it's really cool. But, you know, today we're going to talk about there's so many things, because you're an author of six books. There's so many areas that we could really unpack. But as we were talking before we went live on the show, there's a couple of things that I think need to be addressed. And you you love to speak to this. You're a speaker and a teacher. And you know, pe- people have often asked me about my writing. And I'll say, I write um, because I speak. And when I was asking you about it, you almost mirrored that. You're like, I'm I am a speaker and a teacher. And then that lends itself to me becoming a writer. And so usually if you, it's very rare to find somebody who says, oh, I love writing. And 
I and I speak because I have to like promote my book. Or I speak and therefore I write. It's it's not very common that you would find one that's like, I love both. So I love that we kind of said, yeah, I am a communicator through verbal communication, aka podcast and all this other stuff. And you kind of mirrored that. But there's a couple things let's dive into because you and I have the same heart connection. And, and all you listeners, we know, I, I love the fact that people will often say, oh, but you don't really understand. You cannot live through parenting and not know. Some things change, but raising children doesn't. Attitudes, situations, frustrations, personalities, temperaments, load, those things don't change. I mean, the enemy has been attacking and destroying, trying to destroy the family and tear it apart for, well, let's just go back to the beginning of time. I mean, the truth is families are under attack, and I want to talk with you for a little bit about anxiety and what families are facing with their children. We did a segment last week and the week before just kind of like helping families ease back into school with bullying and, and things like that, but let's talk about anxiety and what you're seeing, what you've learned. Does that sound good to you? It does. I'd also like to piggyback on the lie thing that you mentioned from the enemy. That is so true. And I think a lot of the things, Connie, that breed into anxiety and depression, the mental health stuff has to do with some of those, the the enemy attempting to deconstruct the family. Mm. And I think the bottom line of that is here in our Western culture, we are so interested in being independent. Now, that's a good thing as a citizen, mm-hmm. right? And and the freedom of that and the liberty of that. But when you get into a family system, God created us to be interdependent. Mm. And the the independent idea is totally what you're talking about when you say, when that tassel gets turned to the other side, those kids that are raised to be independent, off they go, right? But the ones that are interdependent, even when the tassel gets moved, they still want to invite you into their lives. Hence the connection. Yes. And we are there to support, to encourage, to rejoice and to mourn with our family members, with our kids, even as they become parents themselves. Mm. And when we don't do that, Like you said, it's just, let's get together for the holidays. (laughs) And I, oh my goodness, I was giving a talk um, at one particular church and at the end of the talk, and I was speaking on this idea of interdependence. And I was sitting next to this one mama and she had her little guy on her lap. And she said to me, she goes, you know, I was raised to be independent as many of us have been raised to be that way. And she goes, you know, after listening to your talk, she said, I do not want that for my, for my child. She said, I do not call my parents when, you know, if, if she were to be in a situation where she would need help, she said, or I don't even call them when I've got something happy to report. She said, it's, it's not that I don't want to tell them these things. It's that it doesn't occur to me. Wow. And I know, so we've got to stop this independent thing. And that does contribute to, as you mentioned, as we're going into the school year, the anxiety. Our kids need to know that they can rely upon us, that we can be their helper. Mm. 
And just as God is our helper, that's our example. So we, we can be their helper as well. And um, not in a codependent sort of a way, not in an irresponsible sort of a way to have the responsibilities, but also to know that, hey, I can come alongside you and I will. I'll come alongside you in the spills of life. You know, okay, I'm thinking of a couple things. As you know, most of the listeners know, we homeschooled our kids. And, you know, that fosters a sense of connection because you really are doing life, all of life, really together. And uh, it just made me think of something. I hear this buzzword a lot. And I'm not quite sure, maybe buzzword's not the right term, but I hear this, get your kids to be independent learners, independent learners. And hey, I totally get the more they can do on their own. Wow, it's helpful for mom and dad who have a lot of other things to do, like, you know, if it's their job or whatever else that they have to do. But there is there is a fine line as you were as you were talking that made me think codependence, independence, interdependence. Those are some those are some pretty fine lines with a gray area. Uh, and I think that that is that is worthy of conversation because we do want our children to be independent. We don't want them to be followers of whatever whim or trend or whatever's the current thing is. We want them to have the ability to know and stand for what is true and right, the family values that we've taught them. We want them to lean on us and have them think, hey, I bet my parents would really love to know I just got a promotion or my sibs would all want to know, hence the interdependence. We're there for each other. And then the, I can't do, I can't function unless codependency. I can't function without these people. So I almost feel like, wow, that's a show in and of itself. But I will say, does that make sense to you? Yes. You know, sometimes it's hard to know, am I, am I helping or am I hurting? I think that's the question that we have to ask. Um, because when we look at trying to figure out, am I empowering my child or am I actually creating more of a dependency upon me? So if they're able to feel like they're getting a boost up where they, they're empowered to, to move forward and they may invite you in the process or they may not, but they may tell you about it, that's healthy. But if it's they're continually looking to you for you to be the responsible party and depending upon you for everything versus putting some of that dependence upon the Lord, I think then we're running into some places where that, that isn't good. So I think the question is, am I invited in or am I intruding? Am mm -hmm. I being invasive or am I actually helping this situation and my child to move forward rather than creating a dependence upon me? Yeah, and like and it, 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 sometimes that's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. I think you really have to do some really good reflection. Well, and some of it depends on the temperament of the child. Like if you have a real insecure child or a perfectionistic child is another good example, a child that has perfectionistic tendencies or they're insecure, either of those, they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to fail. And I mean, let's face it, who wants to fail? I mean, it's not something we, you know, usually strive for, but 
they need maybe a lot of affirmation or validation, or they need to know there's going to be some measure of success before they even try, that can lend itself to a codependent relationship versus your your risk-taking child. Like, you know, when you ask a mom that has a lot of kids and you'll say, well, did you have compliant children or did you have risk-takers? Did you have children who just were really obedient and they did whatever you told them to do when they told you to? And you have a lot of kids, you're like, yes. There was probably one of each. (laughs) Um, The one that was, you know, the risk taker and the innovator and the button pusher. But there is a fine balance. So I think what I'm hearing you say is you have to consider the age of the child, the maturity of the child, and the temperament of the child. Is that what you're kind of alluding to when you're like, we got to do some reflection? Absolutely. We have to look at our child's bent, bent meaning their uniqueness, their personality, to train up a child in the way that he will go so that he will not, you know, when he is old, he does not depart from it. Yeah. That That's not saying that you train them up in the faith and then they're guaranteed to have a faith. What, they're, what God is talking to us when he says, train up your child in the way you should go, is that train them up in the way that they are created to look at who they are and, you know, to parent them accordingly, just as the Lord deals with each of us in a unique fashion because we are unique people. So absolutely, we have got to consider all those things. And some kids do need more affirmation and that's okay, right? That That's good. Some need less. That's okay too, right? Yes. So um, those are all good things. And no one likes to fail, but be able to fail when they are under your roof in a safe, secure place is really such a great thing because it so contributes to the learning. Yeah, And nothing teaches us more than something not working out the way we wanted it to. And we don't even really have to call it failure. We can say, well, it didn't work that way. Let's just try another way, <laughs> you know, and, and that's all right. In fact, it's a really good thing because that really build some, you know, resiliency. And that resiliency is going to help with also mental health, with uh, anxiety and depression. We want to build resiliency in our kids. You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, I thought about, I just uh, watched my eldest grandbaby the other day, and he is new to to walking, and he's he's catching on pretty quickly. But he face planted the other day. When I say that, you know, he stumbled and fell. And what do they immediately do? They, they turn around, they look at you and it's like, what do you, what, how do you react? Is this like a big deal? Should I like have a full on drama, you know, temper tantrum? Should I just have a full meltdown? And, and I just, I looked at him and he was, he had fallen and he was crying and I picked him up in big old tears and wiping his eyes. And, and I thought, you know, he didn't sit there and say, I'm never going to do this again because this hurt. No, he he got a little TLC, he got some wiping the tears and some kisses from grandma and said, it's going to be okay, you know, settle them down and then off they go again. Um, But we see that change in middle school. If, if we're not leading our children that, hey, you know, yeah, you're going to, things aren't always going to go as planned and you may struggle, you may fail at this, but we're going to get back up 
I'm, I'm here. This is kind of like that co, that fine line. I, I'm here. I'll, I'll help you to figure out maybe why, why did you, you know, why'd you stumble and fall? Oh, well, you didn't pick up your toys and you tripped on them or whatever it is. And then they hit middle school and they're, if they haven't learned that, their, their reaction is, I hate math. I don't like school. I don't like, you know, whatever it is because they may have had an encounter or a failure or they don't feel comfortable or confident in themselves. So anyway, I mean, that can get us going in a whole nother direction, but I like that you know, talking about interdependence. Yeah, it's so interesting too, because when our kids or our grandbabies are little, we give them all kinds of space for learning, right? We allow them to learn to walk when they learn to walk and we continue to encourage them. And when they fall, we help them out. We might pick them up, give them a hug, but they keep trying. Yeah. And somehow, isn't that interesting when they do get to middle school that all of a sudden they feel like failure is devastating instead of, oh, I just have to, you know, pick myself up, get a little hug and get going again. Yeah. Developmentally, I think that's really an important thing for parents to be very aware of and to continue to encourage, as you were mentioning, that interdependency, particularly at the middle school ages, because I think that might be when we do a little parenting shift, which is appropriate, right, where they they have the reins a little bit more. It, it, that's appropriate, mm-hmm. yet maybe sometimes then our expectations are that they should do it right, right away. Mm. Particularly, not even just with schoolwork, but with behavior. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they're just trying something out. And we would wish that they wouldn't. But yet, (laughs) there's still something to be learned, right? (laughs) Yeah, I always, I always tell people, if you really want to know what parenting is like, ask, ask somebody who's gone through like the whole thing. And they can tell you, yes, we did devotions every day. We had this, we had this, whatever, whatever was supposed to be the right way to do it. We did it. And what was the results? Well, it was sideways at times. It was not a straight Mm -hmm. line. There were, there were twists and turns. So, which actually I want to segue back to what I started with because the interdependency that you kind of brought up. I think goes hand in hand with what we see happening. And because you lead this big ministry with Moms Together, several things have happened over the last few years, and I know you've seen it. Uh, You talk about it a lot. But I started off talking about anxiety, and I would almost say interdependence within the family unit in a healthy way can help minimize some of the anxiety and depression that our kids are facing. But you were sharing with me some of your recent uh, research on the statistics of kids that are experiencing higher than normal anxiety and depression. I'd love for you to kind of share that with parents because I bet you some of our listeners are going, yeah, this is happening in my home. Uh, I don't know what to do uh, to do about it. So share with me what some of the recent statistics that you just learned. Yes, they're alarming. I think highly alarming. So the World Health Organization has just put out some stats Uh, I'm going to say maybe nine months ago, maybe a little bit less, where 50 to 60% of people 17 to 24 years of age experience either anxiety or depression or both. 50 to 60% ages 17 to 24. That's huge. 
there has been a 25% increase worldwide and uh, actually tied into the pandemic that that has that triggered the 25% increase in mental health issues. And what the World Health Organization attributes to that is social media, isolation, kind of education pressure, educational pressure to do over the top well, which we've noticed kids seem to think they have to be the best in every single subject. And then also worrying about finances. So all of those things seem to contribute. But as you and I have talked, Connie, I believe that really a lot of this is tied into the fact that we are raising kids to be independent and they feel like they have to handle all of these big issues on their own. When in fact, we are meant to be interdependent, to walk through life together and to help each other out. There's a fear, though, with doing that. There's a fear among young people. Uh, unfortunately, by the time they've gotten seven to 17 years old, they've been betrayed by a friend. They've been mocked. They've been humiliated. And maybe their willingness to open up isn't as great. And I wonder, now, uh, this is just a, a a contemplative question. I wonder if that doesn't have something to do with it. They, you know, they're set up to be independent, figure it out. You know, you've heard that slogan before. Everything is figure outable. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you're going to be able to figure it all out, not mm -hmm. independently by yourself. But because they're children and their thought processes are childlike, they're they're transitioning. And I wouldn't say a 24 is childlike, but some are, and some, mm -hmm. some take a little longer. But I just wonder if the academic pressure, which we all know uh, kids have gotten behind over the last few years, and some more than others, and that is a serious, of serious concern because they see their futures at a complete risk. Um, and you mentioned financial. Well, in reality, their parents are experiencing, many are experiencing the same thing. I, I recently mm -hmm. heard a news segment where I think half the population is is one car repair away from, you know, not bankruptcy, but a real financial crisis. So they just don't have money in the bank saved for emergencies and financial shortfalls. So kids are thinking maybe it's just them. They can't get the good jobs. They can't do all this. And they're not realizing it's actually across the board that's it's happening in in all manner and in all socioeconomic levels let's take this over to to social media and then the last few minutes that we have because what do you recommend or encourage to help you know parents lower the anxiety that their kids are feeling lower the depression that they may be feeling whether it's internal or external what do you recommend what are some of the suggestions give us some of your best tips I think one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to delay cell phones. Parents need to know their kids, but having access to all this stuff 24-7 creates so much fear, you know, fear of missing out. It creates the idea of comparison, competition, feeling less than. Noticing things that, you know, again, fear of missing out, you're not a part of. Uh, social media is pretty rough. Or having the idea that everybody's having a happy life but you. All of these things, we've got to be careful with 
giving really young kids phones. And I would leave it to the parent's discretion to say what would be the best age for that. But I think the longer you can delay it, the better. And then if you can put some safeguards on those phones, and those safeguards change regularly. So people would need to, you know, do their own research as to what sort of safeguards to put on regarding social media apps and, and that kind of thing. Also, I would also say that delaying the or reducing, not just delaying, but reducing time on social media is, I think, pretty important. My daughter, who helped me write Messy Hope, Help Your Child Overcome Anxiety, Depression, or Suicidal Ideation, she regularly goes on a social media fast. Uh, when she starts to notice that her either anxiety is rising or her depression is starting to get the best of her, that it's, it's starting to take over a little bit. She removes herself from social media and she says that is the one best thing that she can do for herself. Wow. And I think that that's right. I would agree. There's a documentary I know that has circulated called The Social Dilemma. And parents often, when I, when I speak on technology and social media, I'm always asked three questions. How old should your, your kids be? How long should they get? And what should you allow? And people are often surprised when I say it, it depends. It, it depends. It seems like such a strange answer because so many people are, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or, you know, do these things. And it comes down to like your child. A lot of times these kids are reaching out in these areas because there's a need, there's an unmet need that they have, yes. and they're yes. looking for it. And so instead of looking at it within the nucleus of the family or within their friend group, you know, they go onto the big wide worldwide web, and they find all manner of everything that is good and bad. And, you know, our kids aren't a match for the tech giants, I'll just say that. So I think that's so wise to limit, to delay, to put on some safeguards, I think parents need to take heed of what you had shared about the World Health Organization. Um, you know, as far as stats, we're seeing it everyone. You've written about depression and anxiety and, and how we need, I mean, the alarm bells are going off. And I right. think that as parents who are trying to stay connected with their kids, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't right. throw in the towel. Don't get discouraged. Be willing to keep having the same conversation about why your children can't have this. They can't be on TikTok or they can't do this or we limit this time. Keep having the same conversation. Keep telling them why it matters and what you're trying to build and that you are for them, not against them, that you are not trying to be the proverbial killjoy. <laughs> you want what's best for them. So I love the comments that you have shared there. And I love that we discussed interdependence as important, maybe opposite of just being independent. There is a level of that that is healthy. Oh, we don't want to be totally independent, but we don't want to be totally reliant on. So what a great word uh, and focus on. So in the last few seconds that we have, would you please share where everybody can find you? And friends, as you know, I'll have all of this in the show notes. So make sure you go over ConnieAlberts.com and you'll find all the ways to connect with Lori and find out about her books so you can buy those. But Lori, where can people find you that maybe don't see the show notes? 
Sure, at lauriewildenberg.com, L-O-R-I-W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Um, if they happen to want 10 tips on um, resiliency, they could do lauriewildenberg.com slash resiliency if they're interested in getting something like that to help them. Also, you can find me all over on, as we've been talking about social media, you can find me on social media. <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook as, you know, Lori Wildenberg, or you can also find me as Moms Together. And if you are a mom, I really encourage you to join the Moms Together community. Um, I think you will find it's almost an oasis. Uh, there's no no political conversations, nothing divisive. We talk about the things that bring us together, which is being a mom and loving our kids. Mm. And um, it's all of my material is faith-based. It's all coming from a Christian perspective. So, but we do have moms and moms together that maybe don't, you know, necessarily have a faith. And, um, but they are definitely welcome. They still want to be connected. So absolutely. Yes. Well, Lori, thank you for being on the program today. And friends, thank you for tuning in every week to Equip to Be. Head over to ConnieAlbers.com to get the show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe and sign up for our email. That is how we connect just directly with you in case uh, a Facebook or social platform has a mood swing. You will be able to still connect with us and us with you. We want to help you strengthen your family for the days that come so that your family enjoys doing life together. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Equipped to Be, and we'll see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.